So uh, Adele is skinny now, Jim. Have you seen that? Adele. Adele. Adele's skinny now. What's Isn't it odd to you that uh, somebody who happened to be famous and fat is now skinny, and that's a problem for a segment of the population? That, it should be a problem because, like, what happened to make her that way? And, and all this, I don't know. It's just a double standard. It's like going back to the list from last week. Okay. It's like, okay, maybe to make her feel good better about herself. It was like a personal thing, but uh-huh. is it in response to public stuff for, or to be, to try to endear her, her to her fans or something like that. It's like, I thought it didn't matter. Now well, what if she that. has the money resources and time as a celebrity these days to get herself in the position to be fitter and better and feeling healthier? Sure. You know, that's fine. so I, I just so thought it was really problems. odd. Well, it was, it's almost like it was like that Odell, uh, Odell. Yeah. Odell is a <laughs> <laughs> OBJ. <laughs> Odell, oh man, the worst, the worst NFL giant in history, and that includes Tiki Barber. Um, the, uh, it's like when you become famous and you happen to be fat, fat people sort of claim you as theirs. So I think what's happening with her <laughs> is that she's no longer theirs. It's a betrayal. When you decide, you know what, being obese is not good for me, my family, or the people that love me. Um, I should get healthier one way or another. I think that that really insults the people who've been claiming you as their fat hero for th- all these many That's years. That's scary. That's like creepy. It is creepy. Like and a, it, a certain segment of the population claims you, like unofficially claims you as their own. Yeah. And you have to somehow live up to that. Right. And, and that's the thing. It's like, well, um, maybe, and honestly, she looks a little weird skinny to me. Um, her, her, her face especially. Uh, have you seen the pictures of her being skinny? No, I was not aware. Oh, of this. here, take a look at this. So here's here's your before and your after, right here. Uh, there she is the, on the far right. She's being skinny. There she's in a, a black dress. This is the photo uh, that sort of caused a, a little bit of a stir recently, where she's looking a little skinnier, right? And now, even in that picture, she's not a little. Well, yeah, but she, but even in that picture, she's not a size. Zero. She's a normal looking person in terms of the her actual size, right? Um what's what's yeah, it is drastic, yeah, but that doesn't automatically mean that it's bad. Like in j- most cases, if you are obese and now you're not, it's almost always a better thing. No. Right. Well You know what it is? It's misery loves company. And now somebody's somebody's improving and somebody's doing better and the, the lazy people are having a field day. Right. There was a famous person who was fat and that meant that it was okay for you to be sitting on your couch eating a, your second trash plate of the week. And it's not the case anymore, right? So, right, right. Um, and I also think, and I, this is this is going to be like the the little uh, pansy lefty of the, uh, that part of my personality that comes out. I don't know that it's fair to see somebody like Adele who's hopefully and potentially be in a healthier position in life. But then there's you and you brought it up yourself where you just sort of assume that she did something wrong or bad to get there, you know, like, Oh, did she do it the right way? Or did what kind of drugs did she get the lap band surgery or whatever? Right. Right. It's jealousy too. Sure. I'm not going to lie. So she looks weird to me in the really skinny picture. But then there's this one picture on the right-hand side where she's a little bigger, and she kind of looks nice right there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
<laughs> but uh, what's weird is that her face doesn't look as pretty as it did when she was a fat bitch, which is that that is a weird thing that can happen sometimes. Are you sure it's are you sure it's not the uh, I don't know, just because it looks different? Well, yeah, this is this middle picture here. She's just sort of in the, you know, out- outdoors. The lighting's different. See, that looks yeah, that looks like a different person. Yeah, it doesn't the face doesn't look even the same, right? I just thought that was weird. Yeah, not the one in the middle. The one on the right. But it's just it's just odd that it, to me it was just odd that it was a big problem with fat people that Adele and, and the other thing is, I was actually going to say this part too, which is, um, it's weird when anybody sort of claim, starts telling other people what they should do with their body. And I know that sounds really, oh, uh, Generation Z of me. But what I mean by that is uh, when when some girls who honestly are too skinny, they start eating more or they start working out a little bit more, right? Right. And then people who, because they're a public figure, people will start commenting about how they're getting quote unquote fat or whatever. Right. And that's not fair either. Right, I just think that's weird that other people sort of want to maintain or or hold on to some sort of power over someone else's physical appearance. It's weird. Well, it's not it's not fair, but it's it's a given. Like it comes with the territory, and I think a lot of ce- celebrities have a hard time with that because I don't know why, but because they should know. But it's a hard thing to swallow. And it's and and we can agree that she's not looking as sexy as Tom Hanks or Brad Pitt. Um, eh, Tom Hanks, yes. <laughs> Um, so the, uh, also, I just wanted to briefly mention, uh, the, the, uh, 24 hour seven stream is back up on YouTube. Are you excited? It sounds something like that. Did you even know that it went down other than the fact that I told you last week that it went down? No. Okay. So I got a, I got a, I got an email from, from YouTube last week. It said, Hey, your premiere. So I, I set up the stream so that the, uh, the new episode would, would premiere at the right time of day on Monday last week. Um, and so then I got an email about six hours into that live stream that's supposed to run for 24 hours that YouTube had taken it down and we got flagged for inappropriate, <laughs> inappropriate content. Right. Um, and then we talked about it, about how all the content that was on the stream came from YouTube to begin with. So that's weird. So then I petitioned to YouTube and I wrote, fill out their stupid form and said, uh, this should not have been taken down. That's weird. Expecting, you know, another email to say, oh, you're right. We put the stream back up, and here's why. Uh, that did not happen, Jim. So now the stream is up, and I don't have any idea, A, what was the problem to begin with, or B, what I did right to make it go back up. <laughs> well, you could have notified them, and they could have just fixed it, not replied to you. It seemed, yeah, well, it seems so arbitrary. So it, it's just one of those things. But I'm glad, and everyone should check it out, that uh, the, the YouTube stream is back up. What are we going to do about uh about the fact that that Gabe is is still not here. He beats to his he marches to I his I feel own like drum. there should be some sort of punishment. I don't hear anything, Brad. <laughs> Gabe is not, Gabe's mic is not on. <laughs> Previously on Broken Link Radio. Jim, do you have any idea what's going on with Kim Jong Un right now? Everything's cool. Oh, all good. He was hiding from coronavirus. As an intelligence officer, if you can't tell if somebody's dead or alive, that's pretty rough. That's a big miss. That's pretty big. So he's going to get anti-aircraft artillery, but it's based on like the, like a group of like uh, Jewish guy or like a Jewish 
group of, I don't know if they're spies or what. It, it was a tab that I, I created and <laughs> like a little elf guy. Right. But then he also said to go to 30330. And I'm, I still am not sure which number is correct because he said a lot of combinations of threes and yeah. zeros that I'm not sure which is right. He's sending a code. It's a false flag. And the, Oh, and the, I left some out, but there's a bunch of times where uh, he kept getting Cory Booker confused with other black people. <laughs> Like, if I met you for the first time, I don't know that I would comment about your wife's appearance. Dude, I can't follow the you, what you're saying, and <laughs> my brain is like, I think I have a Joe Biden brain. Broken Link Radio. And so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. This is the best we can do, folks. This is what we have to offer. It's what our system produces. Garbage in, garbage out. We're here because you're looking for the best of the best of the best, sir. And we've done deep research on this. They still have their butts wide for them. I have taken drugs before, and uh, I had a real good time. Trailer trash, dark clothes wearing, too soon sex doing, four-letter wording, hoodlum Oreo eater. Don't talk to me, all right? Knock it off! Thank you! That broadcast school has really paid off. <laughs> You fool! You must unlearn what you have learned. Do or do not. There is no try. Moderately moderate, decidedly stupid. This is Broken Link Radio. Jim, how are you doing? And I'm... I'm Bradley C. Baker, and uh, Gabriel the Archangel is with us this week. Gabe, how has your week been? Fantastic, Brad. How have you guys been? Good good to have you. Don't forget to go to uh, brokenlinkradio.wordpress.com. That's where all the new episodes and the links to the YouTube, as well as the, the download for the podcast, you can get directly from us. You can stop by the YouTube channel, and that's uh, Broken Link Radio on YouTube. Uh, don't forget to check out the Patreon, and I will only slightly beg this time. Uh, every little bit counts, and uh, we're going to use that money directly to increase uh, the production values on the show. As always, you can leave a voicemail at 480-269-2641, or hell, call me live, and we will put you right on the show. Um, so, speaking of the show, Jim, I've got a little bit of feedback uh, from our previous episodes, and I was excited to bring them to you. Um, the first one here was from uh, Fluckets of Rain on Twitter. Did Jim ever look any further into those declassified UFO videos? Uh, I almost did it today. <laughs> I had I I was going through my tabs on my Chrome. Oh, that's right. You mentioned you mentioned you have like two hundred open tabs on your on your Google. The one Chrome. on my uh, they're they're like my sorters. 
there, there are too many to count. Okay, so you realize that every single one of those tabs is like 234 megabytes of RAM, right? Come on. Yeah, I could show it to you right now. So, like, my phone, every day I've got, like, 250 megs of, like, cache data that i got to clear. Is that because of that? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 200 tabs. I I give my mom the riot act every time I look at her phone and she's got 81 tabs. 81? Open. That's nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well... Now here's here's the bigger question. How many emails do you have in your in your your personal email box? Well, I de- I always delete the ones that I don't need and that I'm done with. And I think Gmail gets rid like permanently deletes those when I delete them. Uh huh. Um, right. They only stay in my inbox if they if I have to look into them or do something about them. So I I still have a bunch of them. Yeah, I currently have like I currently have like twenty six thousand three hundred fifty eight. Yeah something crazy like that so apparently when you are in google chrome like on my phone mm-hmm. when you pass the 100 tab the 100 tab open mark <laughs> it, okay. it ceases to be a number and yeah. it turns into a smiley <laughs> that's making fun of you <laughs> <laughs> oh isn't that nice he's too stupid to figure out how to close so his tabs I, I, I think I'm over 200 on my phone. It, <laughs> I've never it heard of that. Changed. I got to count. I should count for next time. I think I'm going to open up 100 tabs tonight to get the smiley face because I didn't even, I really didn't know that. But my laptop one, my laptop is, is far less. And that's, I almost checked out the UFO. I, I will do that. <laughs> um, Here's another one. This one's from David. Uh, that five minute breakdown of nuggets on the show uh, made me so hungry for McNuggets that I immediately ordered a 20-piece from McDonald's oh, and Grubhub. lucky man. I wanted to. But he did not mention he did not mention whether or not he ordered barbecue and ranch sauce. And again, you, if you don't have the barbecue and ranch sauce, you shouldn't even bother. But oh. I do agree with you, Jim. You start with a couple nuggets with, with sans the sauce. You just yes. got to get you got to get a taste of the chicken first before you start bathing in sauce. I was surprised that you agree with me on that. Here's this one's from my mom, Gabe. She said, I feel so bad for Gabe. Are you guys ever going to let him just do the news sometime? Okay. I let, let's not say you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's fairly nice to me sometimes. I, I want to say <laughs> the majority are you trying of to the say time. that I are you trying to say that I bulldozed you with Alex Jones <laughs> last week? I'm very empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> you have an interesting way of showing love, Brad. I think that's the. Um. <laughs> This one's from Medulla Oblongata 2004. Brad and Jim, the STO button on an old cell phone is for store. It's like a black dude's answer. Sto- <laughs> <laughs> hey, what am I going to do that? Man, I'm man that button for store, man. <laughs> um, okay, now here's what's here's what's funny about that. Okay, the, the STO button means, the stowel button means store, but what what do you do with store? I don't remember ever store. using a store button. I think it's well, you never used a phone like that. Uh, I, well, my dad had one for a while when he was a tow truck driver, so I've used it, but only okay, to dial so stuff. It's probably to store. It's probably like memory dials, right? Like a recall hmm. or a redial. Okay, so you. Oh, okay, so like you, you, you put in the phone number and then press store. And you probably like you would probably have like nine preset memory dials. Oh, like oh, a speed dial. Oh, oh there speed you go. Dial. Yeah. yeah. Speed dial. Yeah. This one right here is from COVID 2019. <laughs> the disease, like the yeah. disease, had listened to our show. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's the disease, but it's their screening. <laughs> it's mutated a little. Well, they said, you're right, Brad. We never want to hear about baseball on the show ever again. It, yes, again, thank you. Again, again, I understand that not everyone likes baseball. I don't understand why people that don't like baseball hate it. COVID 19, I love you. 
This is from one of our one of our patrons, Gabe. They said, uh, "Great show, guys. Keep it up." As always, that's helpful feedback. Um, ba boom. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my friend Beth uh, said this to my face: "Do you seriously want three dollars a month for this thing?" <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was hilarious. I, I even even my even my best friends for like thirty years still are like, yeah, "I don't know, dude." Nah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're not going to see the game we're going to play, even though you can see it. You still don't know. Jim's Jim's looking at my Jim's looking at my prep sheet right now. I can see him. I saw the I saw the title and I averted my eyes. So Brad, I had a question real quick. Yeah, what's up? What's up, Gabe? So where were you going at with the with the email? Because I have sixty seven thousand one twenty seven, and I believe that's just unread. Sixty seven thousand? How much? Sixty seven thousand one hundred twenty seven, and I think that's just unopened. Is that bad? Okay, so uh, last last week, Jim, you and I talked about feeling unlucky in life. I will tell you, yeah. That I also happen to be somewhat, um, what's, uh, what's the word? Um, when you have like those compulsive behaviors because you think it'll increase your chances of luck, even though it makes no sense. Superstitions. I'm somewhat superstitious sometimes. So, and I don't even know if this is only true in my head or if it's true in real life, but I feel like, uh, when I actually sit down and clear out my email and become diligent about clearing out my email, something good in my life happens very shortly after that, if not that day. <laughs> Well, it's therapeutic to do it. Right. So I almost feel like subconsciously I've been storing up all these emails so that sometime in the near future when I do clear it out, I'm going to have like a life-changing event of good fortune. Or saving your luck up. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't think, I don't think that it actually works that way, but it's at least that's the way I feel like it happens. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have anywhere. You're about three times, three times the size there, Gabe. <laughs> I'm going to own a small island one day once I finally clean this out. <laughs> Yeah, using that rationale, Gabe's going to become a millionaire once he once he cleans out his inbox. <laughs> Especially if he responds to one of those emails from an, the Nigerian princes. They're my cousins, I think. That's what they say. So, Jim, have you heard what's been going on in Mississippi with Brett Favre? No, I have not. Okay. So, Mississippi is one of the poorest states in the country. I heard it's burning. And, uh, and they've got a little bit of a scandal. Ooh, scandal. There was la- there's been about 98 million dollars funneled into the uh um basically welfare programs so nonprofit programs that are designed to uh collect money and then subsidize all sorts of things like food for needy families um you know uh food stamps all that kind of stuff right so a lot of 98 million dollars of government assistance in Mississippi 94 million of that ninety-eight million dollars was was allocated to the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, his family, and Brett Favre. <laughs> allocated by who? Um, million-dollar man's son Brett, who was like the secretary. Uh, oh no! <laughs> he became like the secretary of. <laughs> and the director, I think, had a hand in that too, didn't he, Brad? Oh uh, yeah, uh, it's a director. mess. So, uh, so, but the- Brett DiBiase, Brett DiBiase, uh, and Brett Favre. That's weird. Yeah, got on the inside. Well, how does, so Brett Favre. How do they know each other. Well, here's the thing, Brett Favre, and of course he's going to deny it. But, but, and I'm not saying that he had any direct involvement. But there, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. You look into this case, um, this story here. So there's 98 million dollars. I forget the exact quote. If you don't mind finding it for me, Gabe. But the, one of the quotes was something along the lines of, "In all of the history of any, so this, the 98 million dollars got audited by the state investigators." 
And of the ninety-eight million dollars that went to that were supposed to be allocated for uh, uh, relief for needy families, ninety-four of it has no good reason for not being there. <laughs> it is just gone. That's crazy. But Brett Favre got paid for speeches he never made. Ted DiBiase Sr. has a $1.2 million house that coincidentally went up for sale the day after the story came out. And his son is on the board of directors to make sure to find to uh, move the money around. So it's a weird mess. So you hear that a lot with with these athletes or, you know, retired athletes or whoever, musicians, like when they mismanage their money, like all kinds of crazy things happening. That's what's going on with Brett Favre now. Is he like... Is he hard up for cash? He's saying that he's saying that he didn't know what that he would get a big check from somewhere. And because he doesn't handle his money, he sends it to his accountant. He didn't know that he was getting checks for speeches and engagements that he never went to. Like the big the big problem with this situation in Mississippi is that Brett Favre gets a thirty thousand dollar check for speaking to a, a high school or something along those lines. Right. He never went there and never was even in attendance. He never made the speech. So somebody on the inside is funneling Brett Favre money through his organization, and then he ends up with a big check for work he never did. Yeah, sorry, Jim. I was going to say, essentially, that'd be like if any of us three, if we just got a random check for (laughs) $7.97, to him, it's a drop in the bucket. He doesn't even notice it, I would imagine, right? Right. Or, But his accountant just gets a check for $30,000, rubber stamps it, and then puts it in the bank and says, oh, yeah, we, he got paid for Because how would his accountant know whether or not he went to such and such a high school and spoke to this group of kids on, you know, Friday the 12th? Well, so right. someone's accountable. Either the account's got to be accountable or Brett Favre's got to be accountable or knowledgeable. Well, it, it turns out it, it turns out that it's probably Brett DiBiase who's accountable for all this. But, but then what is Brett Favre doing? for? So why would he just send Brett Favre money? Uh, What's the other side of that? He, well, he's amongst the people, but it was essentially Brett Favre's organizations got money for work they never did, uh, and then the DiBiase family got work for uh, work they ne- got money for work they never did. Um, well, are the, they friends, like this I don't, sense yeah, that was weird. Is I don't know, but it it was basically just a racket to take money that was supposed to go to poor people in Mississippi, and there's a lot of them, uh, and give it back to rich people. <laughs> <laughs> So it just, it makes no sense. Like, Brett Favre has to know about it. Like, he doesn't just get money. And I mean, I don't care how much rich the guy is. You know, just get a check for $10 million, $8 million, and be like, ah. Yeah, I mean, and, he doesn't have that many endorsements and well, stuff. And, and Gabe, Gabe made a good point, though, which was, say you're Brett Favre and get a check for 30, 30 grand. Yeah, that's not a big deal to Brett Favre because that's what his salary was in the NFL a week, right? But thirty grand does mean a little bit more, or quite a bit more, when you look at it relatively to someone like Ted DiBiase, who's like sixty-seven or something like that, and hasn't had an actual job other than <clears throat> being a minister for the last fifteen years. And his his son, his said his son Ted DiBiase Jr. is also a youth director. Um, and uh, they, they so. Did you find the quote where they said uh, one of the investigators said it was the worst case of embezzlement they'd ever seen in the history of investigations or something like it was something like that, Gabe. Did you find that quote in the story? 
Yeah, I did. And actually, um, I, w- I thought you were looking for another quote, but essentially I, I did see the, the quote was pretty much saying it was the, the worst case that they've seen in the last 20 years. Oh, it was the most, it was, it was like the most mis, it was the most egregious case of misallocated funds they had ever discovered in any kind of investigation ever. It was kind of like that. History. <laughs> in, it was the in Mississippi bi- history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in Missi- well, I don't know of any other $94 million case of embezzlement. True. Uh, at least when it, at least when it comes to money set aside for needy families, <laughs> that's to me that's the that's the craziest part. It's like yeah, this is supposed to go to poor people, but it would be way better used if it went to Brett Favre and the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. <laughs> See, I pulled up the quote that I thought you were that I thought you were asking for was uh-huh. I don't care how politically connected a person may be. White said the auditor. You do not have the right to treat taxpayer money as your own money or to lie to the taxpayers about what you're doing with the money. And others doing this kind of thing are on notice. This will not be tolerated now. I thought you meant like the tough guy speech from the auditor. That's the quote I pulled up. Well, I, you know, he might be grandstanding a little bit, but I think in this case, yeah, that's crazy. Um, now, I, I, I understand what you're saying too, Jim, where it would be like, well, have I... I know that I didn't make a speech on October 14th of October of October idiot. Uh, I didn't make that speech on Friday, October 14th. Right. However, if you make X amount of speeches in a month and you get nine, 10 checks for 30 grand, how do you know that you didn't make two of them and which two were they that you didn't do? If well, you're, what you're saying, if you're but, Brett Favre, but why it doesn't make sense that why this guy would be passing him money begin with there has to be some kind of agreement yeah. is, is brett DiBiase of... sending me another check for 30 grand what is this for right right <laughs> what's this freak doing or, yeah. or better yet why isn't the accountant making the call to brett Favre and saying why are you getting checks from the state for thirty thousand dollars are you on the world's most expensive welfare yeah so he's getting a cut too so Ugh. it's going to be investigated well, uh, as of right now, nothing's no, no, none of the S that hit the fan is, is landed on Brett Favre. But what's weird is Brett DiBiase, uh, Ted DiBiase's son is in trouble. Um, and the very next day after the story, Ted DiBiase's $1.2 million house in Mississippi went up for sale. What I do love also, Brad, the, uh, where, where Brett DiBiase, he actually, one of the, uh, chunks of money was he was being paid for speaking engagements as well for teaching classes on drug awareness. But at that time, he didn't make them because he was actually staying at a drug rehab facility <laughs> to treat opiate addiction. So he was paying himself to make speeches about drug addiction while in rehab and never went to those speeches. Correct. But yes. cashing the check too. Exactly. And it's this, almost like And this drug addict is part of the government in Mississippi. <laughs> I feel like the common link is these are all the most powerful people in Mississippi. The million dollar <laughs> man, his son, Brett Favre, and a few other people. Well that's when Everybody's you know you got a price. That's when you know your state is <laughs> Well, and that's so. That's the funny thing about how on the noses is, is way. For those who don't know, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase would come out in a character who would pick on poor people for not having enough money, and then he would bribe them to do uh, embarrassing things for money because of how poor they were. And he's been in, he's been involved in an embezzlement scam that bought him a one point two million dollar mansion in Mississippi <laughs> with poor people's money. <laughs> Ha 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 
I used to have his, uh, his... <laughs> oh, the Russell Buddy. The uh, Russell Buddy. They're called Russell yeah. Buddies. Yeah, I might still have it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I had a Jose Canseco Russell Buddy. And That's weird, because he wasn't a wrestler. I know. Uh, it was like the wow. same company, but they made they made the same. Basically, they made the same product, but they uh, they had sports figures too. My younger brother had a Joe Montana wrestle buddy. That's pretty neat. And so I was tag. I was when I was a little kid. I was tag team champions with Jose Canseco for a little while. Uh, <laughs> typically, you were feuding with Joe Montana. <laughs> we were feuding with my brother and Joe Montana. Yeah, it was a long. <laughs> it was a long engagement. Uh, it was a long summer. Yeah, the future the, pastor and Joe Montana. I'll tell you what, putting together a steel cage match in your living room is a lot more difficult than it sounds. <laughs> I broke a beam in my bed like doing a pile driver. <laughs> like when I was like 11 or I 12. think we've all broken parts of our house or furniture or, or whatever doing something stupid if you ever watch wrestling when you're a kid. Well, it was that that arcade game was the bomb. It was the WrestleFest? Well, yeah, I think so. And the graphics were amazing. You just like the pile drivers like went up to the ceiling. Right. Yeah, well that and then there's also the the spinning pile driver that Zangief does in uh in, in right. Street Fighter. What were you gonna say, game? I broke a couch one time when I was seven doing the Lambo leap. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you broke a couch last week after you got done with dinner. <laughs> All right, coming up in the second segment, uh, we need to talk about what's going on in California. This is uh, this was an easy show to prep for. It seems to be writing itself. We'll be right back. The rest of the story. October 7, 1988, the American Federation of Clinical Research was in conference in New York, and the assembled were waiting in breathless anticipation of a remarkable revelation, a revolutionary treatment for colon cancer. And presenting that new concept before the conference that day was a computer scientist and medical researcher named Ray Bateman. Fellow clinicians were spellbound as Bateman took them by the hand through his procedures. His new treatment is a twist on extant colon cancer therapy. It involves two drugs, 5-fluorodeoxyuridine and a DNA inhibitor called leucoverin. Renowned cancer researcher Dr. Yusuf Rustam, present at the conference, called Bateman's proposal, quote, an important concept in cancer chemotherapy. Well, that would be difficult to deny. For the method of treatment Bateman presented to his colleagues has actually been tested, has been used on patients in the private clinic of his partner, Dr. Glenn Tisman, and with astounding success. But what truly astonished those gathered at the American Federation of Clinical Research was not the method, but the methodologist. The clinical researcher himself, Ray Bateman, a vacuum cleaner repairman. Now the rest of the story. 
Dr. Glenn Tisman's been in cancer research for most of his medical career, and for years his down-the-block neighbor has been a modest fellow named Ray Bateman. Now, Dr. Tisman knew about the vacuum cleaners, but he had been unaware of the extent of Bateman's intellectual prowess. And one day Bateman was visiting in Dr. Tisman's home when a sophisticated, complicated stereo system was delivered to the house. I mean, it was more of a media center, really, a widescreen TV and a compact disc player and a VCR and and so forth. Well, anyway, the audio-video technician from the store who delivered it was himself unable to sort it out and connect it. But Bateman is sitting there. He doesn't want to butt in, yet by just looking at the components, he somehow knows precisely how they're to be integrated. And after a polite offer of assistance, he, Bateman, hooked up the system. It was then that Dr. Tisman learned vacuum cleaners were not Bateman's only area of expertise. That this unassuming neighbor, without a degree to his name, was also a self-taught computer expert. Well, after some discussion of the matter, Bateman agreed to join Dr. Tisman as a research collaborator. Their first project was a blood viscosity study, and from there they delved into the recent research in colon cancer therapy. Bateman put in 1,300 hours on this project, and the result was to make headlines and to send shock waves through the research community. For not only is Ray Bateman Jr. minus any degrees in medicine or in clinical research or in computer sciences or in anything for that matter, he has no degrees at all. He never received as much as a high school diploma. You see, Ray Bateman Jr., who presented his watershed cancer research before colleagues the other day, he right now, he, Ray, is right now a high school freshman, age 14. In fact, he started repairing vacuum cleaners for his family consistently and utterly successfully at the age of three. And now you know the rest of the story. Second segment on Broken Link Radio, and uh, I don't want you to forget that number. I would really love for somebody to call this freaking number this week. Um, so that's uh, four. It's so easy to remember. Four eight zero two six nine two six four one. That's four eight zero two six nine two six four one. Jim, did you? This sounds like your kind of story. Have you seen what <laughs> is up in California with civil disobedience? Because I think no, I think we need to. Um, think- we're, we're experiencing it here in New York enough. But- yeah. I, you'll have to deal with me operating a mouse left-handed. Uh, this is typically not my style. Um, so m- I can relate to this. Uh, I haven't seen you out and about with a mask on, but are you complying with the mask requirements in New York State, Jim? Not really. I mean, I, I so I, I haven't been to many stores. I've been to a couple since this whole thing started. Right. And like just over the past week or two, or maybe a little more than that, but is when the mask requirement became a little more like stringent i guess right 
And so I've been to like two stores since then. And they won't let you in without one, so I've had to wear one, but I it's it's horrible. I hate it. Bigger question, have you run out of toilet paper this entire time? No. Yeah, I don't know why everyone was worried about that. And it's almost weird that when I go into Tops or Wegmans now, and I know, I know, we can get into Tops, but Tops is literally around the corner from where I live. <laughs> um that it's almost surreal when you go into the when you go into the toiletries aisle and there is toilet paper now. We're to the point where we have toilet paper available. Because a, a week ago, that wasn't even the case. You know what's worse is like chicken wings have been out of stock. So, I mean, I, I air fry <laughs> wings. Dude, I air fry wings like twice a week at least. Oh, those are delicious. And yeah. Delicious. <laughs> and like when those things were gone, like no store had them. I was going out of my mind. I went to Tom Walls yesterday because I was craving a uh, buffalo, buffalo chicken wrap. With uh, some romaine lettuce and some uh, some cheddar cheese and blue cheese and tomato, yeah. <laughs> Who goes to Tom Walls and orders a wrap? Well, not me because they don't have it on the menu anymore. <laughs> There's a reason for that. They said the same thing I did. <laughs> like, who comes here and buys these? <laughs> so, I mean, this, the mass thing is just. You know, I, I go out on that. Like our our company. I mean, we're a big five hundred or Fortune five hundred uh, company. And, like, they put out these requirements that you have to have masks on and stuff, and we don't do it. There's only a few of us at the office right now, but it's just gotten to ins- the point of insanity. It's sort of interesting, yeah. It's almost like you have to know everybody's background, who's in a building to feel comfortable around it. But at the same time, <laughs> when you see somebody without a mask, like, half of Phoenix isn't wearing masks, and we just reopened dining. And <laughs> He said half of Phoenix? I thought he was going to say half of fact. <laughs> Half a fagville is not wearing masks. He's a half fag. <laughs> um, well, my, my wife was at Walmart yesterday, and she said that they don't even check people; like they're just letting people in without masks. There was a point. There was a point where they were holding you at the door, and you had to wait your turn to go in. And I went there probably three, four days ago, and they didn't they didn't stop me from entering the building. Um, yeah. Uh so this this whole thing has been a little bit weird, right? And and I know Jim, you've known me for for a long time. The, I can relate to people's frustration with the general situation because compliance has not always been my strong suit. And it's weird when you go into a grocery store and you just start having customer service people tell you what to do now. Yeah, the customer's always uh, right. Uh, yeah, so I went to the Fairport Road Wegmans, and I know, I know. I've, so far, I brought up Tops and the Fairport Road Wegmans. It's like a nightmare. Grocery shopping it's lately. On the Fairport Road The old one. The one oh, is the one in East Rochester. One. Yeah. That's cool, though. <laughs> that one. Well, there's a charm to that. Yeah. I don't know where to find it. <laughs> um so I went and I went to check out. I had a thirty five pound thing of cat litter with me. And so I I was ju- I just wanted to throw it on the conveyor belt, run up there, put in my stupid shoppers club number, and cash out, right? And so I'm in the process of trying to put in my number and the, not the cashier, but the customer service manager comes up behind me. She's like, um, sir, can you please, uh, wait till she's finished and come back behind this white line? So they kicked me out of the aisle to wait for her to finish ringing it up so I could go back to the yeah. pad to finish putting in my shop. It was weird. Well, that rule has been there for like two months now. I've never, I swear to you, I've never been in a grocery store during this entire lockdown period where that has ever occurred to me. Really? 
Because it sounds yeah, like just, saying you had to stand by the line and blah, blah, blah. Well, they, they have the signs and the, and you do stand. Here's the thing. We're not talking about standing behind while they take care of another customer. I've always experienced that throughout this. However, I'm by myself. Oh. They wouldn't let me put my Shoppers Club card number in while she cashed me out. I had to wait for her to ring me up and then get permission from her to go to the keypad. Yeah, that's weird. Do they still have the plastic? Yeah, oh. the, the sneeze guard. Yep. So so anyways, I understand how this can be frustrating because I really don't like on my free time where I'm running errands to be told what to do. It's kind of BS. Right. So there's a little bit of a counterculture <laughs> to to all this that's going on. Uh, have you, have you, uh, do you, I'm sure you know people that are just like, open up everything right now. I'm tired of being told what to do. Yeah. The government's taking away all of our of rights, course. right? There's a gentleman in California who feels that way. Uh, and so when the grocery store Vons in California insisted that he wear Missy a Vaughn. mask, <laughs> Von Miller, Some of you get uh, that. Von Miller. All right. Von Miller. Go. Oh, I had one. <laughs> How about... Jean-Claude wait, Vaughn. Wait, wait, I had one. Veronica Vaughn. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Veronica what Vaughn. About, what about Rob Von Dom? <laughs> what about Greg <laughs> Greg Vaughn? Ludwig Von Beethoven. It's not the Oh, same. man. Well, yeah, but Gre- so I think Greg Vaughn. Who, oh, Mo Vaughn. Greg Vaughn, Mo Vaughn. You're in trouble now. Um, only because I know baseball players. Baseball. Um, I'm excited right now to hear a Greg Vaughn fact because I'm a Padres fan and he took us to the World Series. A ninety eight. Yeah, wow. We got crushed by the Yankees. Yeah, you deserved it. It was um Yeah. So anyways, this guy in California, he goes to the grocery store and they're 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 insisting that he they will not let him shop unless he wears a mask, Jim. Um so I'm gonna bring up a picture of we keep our customers safe. Yeah. He decided that he was going to bring his mask. And he wore himself one of these. I've got it. I've got something locked in in my mind, what it's going to be. Oh, oh yeah. Go ahead. I'd love to hear you guess. I can't wait. Is it a woman's brassiere? A woman's bra is a decent guess. Gabe, do you know the story or, or can you play the game here? I do not. I'm going to try to play the game. Was it like a beekeeper mask? A beekeeper mask. You are both incorrect. This is a picture that was taken in the Vaughn's grocery store in California. When this man decided that he was going to not comply. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. This guy's the best. He went to the grocery store <laughs> wearing a KKK hood. <laughs> I gotta make one of those. I see. I oh, thought I man. thought you were on to me, Jim. I thought you had it when you were like, "I've got an well, idea." California threw me off. If it was in the south, here he is. Here he is in the produce section, going over the shopping <laughs> list. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Wait a minute. So they they confronted him in the store, and then so where did he go to get this? Well, see, that's the thing. If this was just civil disobedience, and it would be, I could absolutely see myself doing something like this, right? I'm not saying that I would. I'm saying that I could see myself doing easy. You know, when, when you, when you, um, when you really want to make somebody feel it, that you comply, but then you give them something they don't expect in your compliance. Right. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the nature of civil disobedience. However, the, you brought up an excellent point. The problem that I have with this is that he obviously has a KKK hood to wear. 
<laughs> right? Because you can't just get one on Amazon that afternoon. Right. So that he is an asshole because he's got a KKK hood. However, it is hilarious. And so so what's interesting is, and I was I was I was happy to hear this, the grocery store did not kick him out. He he you know, there was no kerfuffle over it other than a lot of people were offended. And I'm the first person to defend your right to offend other people. But uh, unfortunately, for the, unfortunately, this guy is an asshole because he's a KKK person. But that's the funniest crap I've seen all week. That's crazy. That guy standing there, standing there, reading his real shopping list with a KKK hood on. The other mistake that he made was that they have pictures of him. They have pictures of him going around the grocery store before they kicked him out. So they kicked him out when he didn't have the mask on, and then they when he came back. <laughs> Or the KKK hood. So, but what that means is that I thought the hood was designed to sort of protect your identity when you're in the kook. I don't know that, but I've right. I thought that was the purpose of the hood, so that you didn't know. Okay, right. So now he's blowing his cover. I mean, obviously you know he's in the KKK, but you also know who he is because he went to the store without the hood on. So that's well, like Klansmen now will tell you that it's more to do with like white. Not white supremacy or like violence, but just white pride, like like black pride, but like the opposite sure. of that, right? So, I mean, if if guys like that are confronted, that's what that that's what they'll say. Sure, I've n- I can't remember the last time I had a conversation with a KKK guy. How about you? I should just <laughs> you are you are now. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that was the coolest thing I'd seen all week, except for the guy is a KKK guy, so that's that's unfortunate. KKK. There wasn't uh, the one thing I noticed about the story. There weren't a whole lot of people that were demanding any sort of legal or litigation. Like they, there weren't a lot of people that are like throw this man in jail or whatever. There were some people on social media that were saying, "Oh, this is really sad," and you know, it's kind of a frustrating thing to know that there's still these people out here. And I can get with that. But there, I was happy to see that in California, it wasn't like the knee jerk reaction of like throw this person in jail. You know, because. There are sometimes when people express freedom of speech legitimately, like in this case, and uh, and they get sort of uh, trumped up charges on inciting riots or being disruptive, right? right? So uh, that was nice that that didn't happen. What however, part of California was this? It was in San C. It was in uh, San Diego County, and that's probably why you didn't see it because that's that's where I come from, and we it's you know it's more Gabe comes more, from like a long said. line of KKK members. <laughs> We have so many KKK members out there. We don't even care. We just say, "Hey, man, hey, man, <laughs> at least you're sanitary. Hey man. hey, man, that's not cool, bro. <laughs> Come on, man, leave it at home, bro." So that that was cool. You were telling me last week, Jim, and we didn't get to it on the show for some reason or another. But uh, you you had been looking into Bitcoin a little while ago, and you wanted to tell me all about it. Yeah, well, I mean, so it's kind of weird. I don't know how much you know about Bitcoin, but almost uh, nothing. I don't. Yeah, me too. I don't know much about it. Like a, a so like a mutual friend of ours that you know, um, kind of introduced me to it a couple months back, and he tried to get me into it. And he was telling me how much money he made on on this investment in Bitcoin. It kind of blew my mind. Right. So he gave me some stuff to look up, and I never ended up looking it up because I'm lazy. And um, then he say, then he say just, that he made a trade that was worth thirty grand or something, or he made thirty grand in a day or something. Yeah, I remember he like, mentioned something like that. I'm pretty sure he said he made like over 30 grand on whatever money he put in. Sure. I mean, it was probably a few thousand that he put in. Um, and then he just reinvested what he made into more of it, which is crazy. But mm-hmm. um, 
I, I, just cryptocurrency in general, like, just blows my mind. I've like, always had a hard time wrapping my head around the concept because, yeah. um, long-standing rule of e- economics is that the that currency itself, which is different than money and different than exchange value, currency itself is only worth anything if people are willing to exchange it for value. Um, right. So I'm I'm always go back to that original transaction where it's like how do you talk someone into taking hey i'd like to order a domino's pizza okay that'll be 25 dollars, and you're like what about a bitcoin hey ever heard of bitcoin i think that was the first thing that bitcoin was, used to purchase. was a pizza it was a pizza but i mean it's like so it's like, if enough people get together and say this has value and we are willing to trade this you mm-hmm. know i mean think of gold I mean, somebody should write a book about Bitcoin and it goes from pizza to child porn, how to purchase everything (laughs) on the internet. So who decided that gold was worth something? I mean, obviously people thousands of years ago or or whatever, enough people thought it was like shiny enough. Well, there's a, there, I know that there's a theory about gold that says we are, we like diamonds and gold because they're shiny and, and we're just stupid. Which I mean, when you think about it, it is stupid. Well, and then also uh, with gold, not necessarily diamonds. Gold has a certain level of intuitive scarcity to it, mm-hmm. right? Meaning we somehow understand that gold is somewhat of a rare metal and thus we attribute right. value to it. Diamonds are a whole nother situation. We don't need to get into that. Well, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Here you got Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency. And it's it's very confusing because at some point they the value of Bitcoin gets derived from data mining. <laughs> like I don't what those things are so unrelated to me i don't understand I how that I works feel like the answer is so obvious and so like fundamental but but we've gotten so far away from like simple things in society that we can't wrap our brains around it mm-hmm. i don't know yeah yeah i feel like it so i've read that has something okay i know and i'm gonna sound like the biggest idiot in the world but i know that cryptocurrency somehow derives its value from being able to have a digital wallet ledger that is always running so it can always be traced back to the transaction history and i don't understand why a transaction history by itself in gives some sort of level of value to anything that makes no sense it's it's weird it's weird you know what i can wrap my head around though jim pelts pelts so you may have missed the boat you may have missed the boat on the bitcoin surge in 2016 and 17 but I'm telling you right now, with with everything hitting the fan like it has in the recent in the last recent months, pelts are coming back, baby. Like Alex Van Pelts? No, not Alex Van Pelts. The failed uh, Buffalo Bills <laughs> quarterback. What about old school? I'm talking beaver pelts. We we purchased Manhattan Island with beaver pelts, and we can we can purchase our next piece of land with beaver pelts. That's what I'm saying. It's funny you mention that because I was just like over the wind over the winter. It was a long winter. <laughs> You were were you skinning over the winter, trapping and skinning over the winter? No, I was looking into wolf pelts on the internet. I wanted to see how much they wolf went for. Pelt. You can buy like an entire wolf pelt, like with a head and the paws and everything, for like five hundred bucks. So here's the thing: if you if you can convince some schmuck to sell you a pizza for a bitcoin, by the way, the guy who got that pizza, who sold that pizza for one bitcoin back in whenever, is a gazillionaire now. Um, or or maybe or he didn't hang on to it. I don't know. But he would be. Um, if you can talk a guy into taking a Bitcoin for a pizza, we can talk someone into taking a pelt for a pizza. A pelt for and a then, pizza. 
You you know the paperclip game where you like trade up and yeah. up and up. What if we just start with pelts, man? Well, pelts themselves are. I mean, they're not worthless. Right, Gabe. What is a what is what is a beaver pelt or a wolf 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 pelt worth these days? So most beaver is averaging around ten to fourteen dollars, regardless of where they are produced. So about ten to fourteen dollars, or ten to fourteen dollars, or. Point zero zero one six Bitcoin. Wow. Oh, that's Jim. What if we collect enough pelts to trade for Bitcoins? Bitcoins? This is a brilliant idea. We're bringing pelts back. Yeah. We're bringing pelts back. Just to throw it out there, Brad, if you did have one Bitcoin, it's equal to 8,820 US dollars. So, one Bitcoin, if you can get your hands on it, would actually get you 630 pelts. Uh-huh. Okay. So, we need to get about 630 pelts, wolf, beaver, or otherwise, to trade up for a Bitcoin, and we'll be in business, Jim. Business. You know, our friend wanted our friend wanted you to get in Bitcoin back a couple years ago, but I'm telling you right now, I'm this is your opportunity to get on the ground floor of the pelt business, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Gabe, uh, our next segment, I don't know how much you can really be involved because uh, this past week was a solemn was a solemn day in Rochester history as, as uh, legendary radio broadcaster Bob Matthews did his final show and we've got we've got audio from this sh- from that last show coming up next. your running game run like a caveman finally shoes are getting back to nature toe shoes you were born barefoot your ancestors ran barefoot and now toe shoes allow you to run barefoot but with shoes that look like feet slightly deformed web-toed brightly colored feet just like our ancestors that died at 25 of rickets they're like wearing no shoes at all as nature intended toe shoes they're shoes for toes and twats does dinner time sound like this i'm not eating this crap this Friday night song like this! Screw you, Mom! I want to get laid! Do you long for a different time when we were free to raise our children to actually respect us? Thank you, sir! Thank you, sir! Hitting kids works wonders! Hi, I'm Alan McLean, child behavioral psychologist and former U.S. Marine. With my easy system, I'll turn your disruptive, unruly kids around fast! Let's face it, kids are rotten little shits! When I served our country, I learned a lot about changing behavior and winning people over. Offer candy, then a butt of the gun to the face! Buy my book, Hitting Kids Works Wonders, today! Like the wild west for real dude we can't even we're not even allowed to do like anything until june 1st Ducey hates bars though bars won't be open for like 40 years i think everything else should <laughs> be fine though 
Yeah. It's like Chernobyl. It's like it's like a radio fallout or a radioactive fallout zone. It's weird. It's weird because um uh oh, I gotta tell you about how how my mom reacts. Uh so it, you probably heard his name in the news a little bit, Gabe. Andrew Cuomo is the governor of New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every single day he gets on TV and he freaking talks about what's going on, right? And it covers a lot of mundane stuff. And so he's a Democrat guy, and I and I I have a lot of people in my family who are not just right, but very far right. But what's really funny is they dislike Andrew Cuomo so much that he can say very sensible, normal things, and they sit there in their chair and they get really angry. They'll just be like, he'll be like, he'll be like, and I don't do a very good Italian accent, Jim, so I, I I'm sorry, but he'll be just like, guys, uh, you know, we need to be very careful. Uh, we need to uh wake up every morning, brush our teeth, and um. Then people in my family would sit there with that son of a bitch. Maybe you put your pants one leg on a time. Oh, God, what an asshole. And you're like, well, he, what is he saying that's so wrong right now? I understand you don't like his <laughs> policies, but like, he's not saying anything wrong yet. You know? When you hear a dude that's as psychotic as Cuomo, <laughs> I mean, even if you're left, I mean, I've heard plenty of leftist people agree with me on that. When you, when you hear a guy that, that, 99% of the, the things that he says are just psychobabble. Doesn't he look like perfect casting for like a one of the he looks like a perfect politician for a TV show like Gotham or in in the Batman <laughs> yeah. universe like he should be some character in Batman cuz he looks exactly like the mob controlled politician, you know? But you're just so used to hearing crap come out of his mouth that makes no sense sure. that it's like you just can't stand the sound of his voice yeah, I, I understand that but it's funny because he's so he's so reminiscent of a tv villain that it's almost comfortable when he's on television to me does that make sense <laughs> comfortable yeah like he just makes me feel like i'm watching a tv show like he's just the bad guy of the week you know that's how it does feel like the last two months <laughs> like you've been in the tv it really does though it feels like you're in a tv show with all the crap that's been happening. So at the beginning of the show, at the beginning of the show, I sort of jokingly refer to being moderately moderate, but I am a very down the middle kind of person. I, I oftentimes talk about how I'm just liberal enough to piss off my right wing friends, and I'm just uh, libertarian enough to piss off all of my socialist friends or left wing friends or whatever. So, but so I can sit there and watch an Andrew Cuomo dis disagree with many things he has to say and not hate him as a human being, you know, or, or, or not disagree with him when he says something normal and lucid because he's just a person, you know, you're a peacemaker. That's what I am. Uh, although ironically, peacemakers are usually weapons that kill people. So you are a peacemaker. Yeah. I've been, I've been thinking about if and when it would be the right time to get a firearm. And besides just getting a, a, a nice sidearm to be for like use, it would be kind of cool to have one of those old school, like western revolvers that are yeah absolutely that would that would be cool it weigh like 50 pounds <laughs> yeah <laughs> like pull your pants down as you're yeah, they weigh around. way more than they look and i've only i've shot and i've shot sidearms a few times but i you know as a kid i shot shotguns and rifles all the time with your at your father-in-law's house so here in rochester uh it was a sad day as newspaper and radio legend <laughs> Bob Matthews. Legend's such an overused word. <laughs> it's like epic. Institution, if you will. I will. Uh he's been he's been doing a newspaper column and or a radio show in the Rochester market since nineteen eighty six. So thirty four years he's been doing the same radio show that he did in two thousand and twenty. 
he covered all the things that uh, were pertaining to Rochester sports. So Bob Matthews uh, covered the careers of guys like Kurt Schilling, Jamie Moyer, and yes, I'm talking about baseball. He covered the careers of, uh, well, I mean, just guys that played on the Red Wings AAA baseball team. But he, one of the big passions in Bob Matthews' life was treating Rochester, which is a triple AAA minor league city, like it's a major league city that has major league teams. And so um, I have a couple clips of his last broadcast, and I thought I'd play them for you, Jim, because, you know, you grew up here just like I did. So this is uh, Bob Matthews' final show. Okay. Um, again, I, I I was really debated in my head whether or not I should. I was going to wait until the end of the show with Fred to uh, sign off for the last time, but um, I don't I I didn't I didn't know what to do. So we came on and I I just mentioned this is the last show. About eighty two hundred shows, man. That's a lot of shows, and I would say maybe maybe five hundred of them sucked. I think the other ones are okay, but um, I appreciate. I I can't read all these texts. Because, uh, you know, that's just what I didn't want to do. But I appreciate the thoughts. And uh, we'll take some. We'll take text, of course, and, and, and phone calls the rest of the show. One thing I want to clear up, a couple people have asked, um, am I getting replaced or asked to leave because of declining ratings? You're getting canceled because of your stupid, crappy ratings, Bob Matthews. Oh my God, Jim, did you catch any of the show, or did I have to sit through this two of these this two hours? No, of I would never sat through a show. Um, I remember you texting me that night saying that you were going to listen. Oh man, I remember. I remember going to karate lessons when I was eight years old, and my dad listening to him in the truck. My dad listens to him like as often as he can. I've as many times I've told my dad that he's how horrible of a broadcaster that Bob Matthews is. Uh-huh. But my dad, I mean, my dad doesn't care about that, but just he's horrible. <laughs> he's awful. And he's obviously the only thing we have. <laughs> so he I have a strong dislike for Bob Matthews, and here's why. People don't understand it. His show is terrible, but that's not why. The thing that I cannot stand about Bob Matthews is that his um, crusade to pretend like Rochester is something more than it is, that it's a major league town. This weird delusion that he has that somehow um, sports is going to bring this city out of being one of the lowest ranked economic markets in the country is completely wrong. And it always has been wrong. Mm-hmm. Gabe, this man went on a crusade on the radio to convince us to spend taxpayer money to build a stadium for a freaking soccer team. And they've done nothing but close schools and cut budgets to education since. This man has convinced people of his elderly age that all of our money should go to buying sports arenas for teams that don't care about the city they're in and threaten to move constantly. So I don't care that Bob Matthews is gone <laughs> at all. What's the population in Rochester? Can it even... Uh, the metro area is about a million and a half, maybe. Okay. So 
you could it's like not even to the level of Sacramento. So I listen to this whole show, Jim, and uh when somebody's on their way out, by the way, I Bob Matthews is seventy three years old, so Whoa. you might hear him talk and he's got like the denture speak going. He's got the denture whistle. Yeah, uh, I noticed he's got a little bit of a How long has he had that? When I moved away from Rochester a long time ago, he didn't have the, the denture whistle. No. So when did they take all of his teeth out? Oh, I would have no way of knowing. <laughs> Gabe, you should you should Google a picture of Bob Matthews' face. And I'm telling you right now, he is the prototypical guy that you meet in Rochester of that age. Right. Everyone in the eight, Yeah, everyone in the 80s looked like that guy in Rochester. <laughs> Um, so he, he's doing his last show. He's getting a little introspective and he made some weird revelations, Jim. This is, uh, something I wanted to play for you. Uh-oh. Pay attention to what he's saying here. Okay. You're handed a box and they, they politely That's say- That's my fault. He, uh, I forgot to mention, he's explaining what happens when you get fired, even though he's openly and, and openly denying that they fired him for his crappy ratings. You're handed a box. And they, they politely say, you know, we have to let you go. Here's a box. Take your stuff out of your office or your cubicle or whatever you're working from. Well, I had my, my own office. And over the course of all this time, we made a couple of moves from building to building. But we've been here quite a while. I can't even tell you how long. But I got so much junk in my, in my place, in my, in my office. I mean, I got, I collect Loblaws bags because... I always forget to take them in, but so when I go, I I get my food and I get uh, I get a lot of uh, TV dinners and stuff for my refrigerator at home, but also for the refrigerator here in the office. And I so these these Wegman's bags have accumulated. I got I got like well I, I had about seventy five, believe it or not, seventy five Wegman's bags until about two weeks ago when I started cleaning out my stuff, and um, I still got about. 30 left. So about 40, 40 Wegmans bags full of, oh full of stuff that I've taken out and have driven home to my apartment. And uh, so they say that uh, it's not good to keep uh, used Wegmans bags or any kind of bags, I guess, um, around for long. So I don't know. What, so I'm going to leave them in my room, uh, in my little office room the hell is he talking uh, when about I clean things out on Sunday, but for good. But um, I, I, they'll just throw them away, and that's what they should have. I don't. Again, I should have thrown them away every night too. But after a while, it became it became kind of a project. See how many I could accumulate, and actually, they look good. They're very colorful. Oh man! So he's showing his age, dude. He's got seventy five bags of junk in his office, and he doesn't know why he got fired. He's got a he's got a Wegmans bag for every year of his life. So the. Uh, Gabe, uh, uh, Wegmans is your, is like your fries. Wegmans is essentially okay. fries, right? So he's got, he's talking about grocery, plastic grocery bags filled with junk. He's got 75 of them just chilling in his office. But over the last two weeks, he's taken 40 of them out. Good Lord. That's good radio. This man is That's, losing it. That is compelling radio to listen to. I mean, he yeah. spent like three, four minutes just talking about Wegman's bag. It's the Jim. It's the longest clip of audio that I pulled, and that includes the <laughs> montage that I have later. Oh man, Where, that sounds like a man who is either has dementia or is on drugs currently. Absolutely senile. Holy cow! Uh, Bob takes some calls in a show. Everyone now knows because they announced it on. The ABC affiliate during the evening news. That's how I found out about it. So everyone started calling in on a show. I wish you would have let the uh, let your fans know uh, uh, ahead of time. 
consider the last day. That's just like well, I, I wasn't going to. I, I was just going to sign off at the end of the show, but I'm glad yeah, I got a chance to worse. talk to people. Yeah, but that would have been worse because, I mean, you're an institution, you know. Let yeah, but now on. I belong in one. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, he belongs in one. Um, See, it's a, he says he's an institution just because he's been on the radio for so long. It doesn't doesn't mean he's any good. Yeah. Um, so then, then Bob starts to get a little. He starts to little own a little bit of this behavior of hoarding and having a terrible radio show. Also, I didn't pull any of the audio because it's uh, sort of meandering. But uh, you know, when when somebody's trying to hide the truth, they tend to overexplain their lie. Right. Which is, he says over and over and over again that nobody wants to cancel him because of his terrible ratings. However, the radio business is on a downturn, and um, there's no sports to talk about, so people aren't listening to the radio. Which is, oh, I don't know, bad ratings, right? Nobody's listening to the radio means that nobody's listening to your show, even though you say you didn't get fired for bad ratings. Then he also puts out this nugget of, uh, this this little nugget for everyone. Um. It was it was time, and uh, and uh, I think some people just felt a little bit uncomfortable that I was around, and I don't blame them. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little it's a little a uh, little uncomfortable to have you around at seventy three years old and talking about your hoarding situation in your office that you know about. You can tell how like um, conflicted he is. Where you, it's like an old dude trying to follow like what he's told to do right but his like his rebellion his rebellious side that keeps breaking through right so he, he's like well bob we're gonna do the thing where we ask you to resign but then we'll let we'll we'll say that it was on amicable terms and you know we won't say anything bad about you and we'll give you a reference and it's that speech right it's where it's where you get fired without being fired um and then he just breaks down for the rest of the show jim and takes callers and cries the rest of the uh two hours and oh, I, he I actually have a, breaks down and cries Oh, dude! He's, you can yeah. tell he's 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 heading that way, but he's not yet. Here you go. Here's three minutes of Bob Matthews crying on the radio. <laughs> Have you ever cried at work? No. I you know I've cried at work before. It happens to everybody, which is why it's so funny when it happens to someone else. He's a fag. Hello, Bob. How you doing? I'm making it through, Steve. Thank you, sir. We have Tommy. Go ahead, Tommy Cress. Hey, hi, Bob. How you doing, my friend? Okay. <laughs> I, I've I done better, Tommy, but, but uh, uh, we both wish you the best. Of your soul. And, and I'll be thinking of you often. Uh, thank you again for all you did. Oh, thank you, you know, Tommy. In my career. <laughs> thank you, sir. He's a fan. Thank you very much, sir. We'll be back. <laughs> News time. Sports, well, you made me feel point. kind of special too. So thank you. Well, 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 thanks, Linda. You guys are okay. You're all right. You're the best. Uh, you're the best sports couple I know. <laughs> He's having a hard time, Jim. Hello, Dan. Hey, Bob. How's it going? I'm making it through. It's it's tough. It's kind of tough, Dan. <laughs> oh, Not no. an easy. Yeah. <laughs> Not easy at all, man. I'm trying to wrap up work, and my computer's sitting here mm. crying. And uh, like, I had to. I had to. I had to call in. So, like um, your last show was tough, right? Your last show was tough. Admit it. Your last show was tough. Dan, what a one-two punch! Soccer Sam and you, I was I was going good till you two guys chipped in, but well, <laughs> but, but thank you. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can't well, I can't is, get uh, to Dan's. Uh, now he can't run the board I anymore. Can't get to, okay, thank you, Pam. Thank you, Mister Bell. This is oh, getting no. tough now. I was doing good for a long time. 
See, I went to Rhinos games. Some people thought I never went to SAR games. I went to Rhinos games. You've choked me up tonight, Bob. We'll miss you for sure. The Red Wings uh, most of all. (laughs) I can't believe it. I've been with you since 1986. Well. 1986. We became good friends. He liked the Red Wings. You taught me about the right wings. (laughs) uh, Fred, you're choking me up. You're choking me up. Well, Fred, thanks for thanks for having the time to to drop in, and again, it's been a great pleasure working with you all these years. And well, how are you guys doing, Frank? We're doing great. I, I hate to see you. Well, You're thanks, right. Frank. Thanks for being a thanks for being a, a great boss and a greater friend. Okay. Well, hey, Bob. Yeah, same to you. And I didn't take any chance with you. I tell you, you were fantastic. Uh, good luck to you, Bob, and stay healthy. Oh no. Okay. Thanks, Frank. Bob, I just want to take this last t- second to say thank you for everything. It's been an honor and a pre- privilege working with you, and I wish you the best of luck. I know you're going to do great things. Well, Pam, What's likewise. going to do? That's great. Likewise. <laughs> Night, folks. That song might have come for me rather than the radio. I'm not going to lie. Wish you the best of luck in your next steps. Your next step is a old folks home, bro. Like you're going to camp over. She knows he's going to do great things like clean up his office. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I like how he, then, yeah, he also said he's not even going to offer it. He's like, I'll I'll just leave him there. They'll throw him out. I should have done it to begin with. It's like, yeah, dude, why do you have 45 bags full of junk in your office? I mean, to be fair, 34 years doing the same thing. Yeah. It's a long time and you get, you get, might get sentimental, emotional, but (laughs) yeah. It would be different if he was any good. The uh, can you imagine how bad that microwave and that office must have stunk? <laughs> Not only with all that garbage, but with all those freaking. There's TV dinners have their own distinct smell, and it's never a good one. Yeah, there's a dude at work that weren't that he, every single day he makes Stouffer's macaroni and cheese. Well, we've we've run into we've run into a point in my life that I think I would never come to, Jim, which is that you and I have done. A 20-minute segment about Mob Matthews, and that's about as much as I can handle. God, what is with my voice? Gabe News and Nonsense coming up next. Back with the final segment on Broken Link Radio. Gabe, we've got a loaded one today. It's time for your news and nonsense. Go right ahead. All right, Brad, this is your news and nonsense for today. We're going to go ahead and start off in Lumberton, New Jersey from the Philly Voice. A Lumberton, New Jersey woman who survived the 1918 Spanish flu has died from coronavirus complications. Burlington County health officials announced on Wednesday. 
The woman was 105 years old, and she was not identified by name in so, the county's daily report. So I saw this, Jim. They're telling us, yeah, they're they're telling us that a 105 year old died from coronavirus as opposed to dying from being serves her right. 105. <laughs> What's this world coming to? <laughs> um, I don't know if those ones should count. Um, I'm not one of those people who deny the numbers that we're getting because there's some sort of conspiracy to inflate COVID-19 numbers. But when you're 105, does it really matter how you died? You died from being 105. No. Well, it does right now. When, I mean, they amp up anything they can. Well, she would have died if she caught a cold. Right. But if, obviously, they're going to highlight it that it was they're highlighting as many deaths as they can with this thing. Not to get too political, but uh, 105. He's dead, Jim. It's it's like a celebrity of the of the coronavirus. He's dead, Jim. 105 years old. Like I I think there's after 80, they should just be like like cancer doesn't even count anymore. Like <laughs> it's oh, extra. Yeah, like anything bonus after 80 until our quality of life and our life expectancy dra- expectancy drastically changes. Like once you hit 80, it's four years of fighting off death of whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like 80 is about the demarcation line because. Yeah. Anything you get after 80 is going to kill you. Right. The woman was 105 years old. And again, Burlington County has reported 121 deaths for COVID-19. 10 people died Wednesday. Among those six people were between the ages of 71 and 94. And she was the first centurion to die in the county. The Courier Post reported. So get this, Jim. I, di- I just thought about this right now. But do you know that most deaths are are people that are between the ages of 70 and 94? I have heard. I think you just die from being over 70. It's such a coincidence. Well, isn't that weird? It it, it turns out that the older you get, the more likely you are to die of just about anything. (laughs) Meanwhile, a 101-year-old man named Mr. P has been released from the hospital after recovering from COVID-19. Mr. P was admitted last week to a hospital in Northeast Italy after he tested positive for the coronavirus. Goodness gracious! Mr. P was born in 1919, the same period the Spanish flu pandemic was killing off around 30 to 50 million people around the world. (coughs) What do you care? He was born a year after World War I was over, and when he was in his 20s... World War II began. He survived World War II, and now he's the oldest patient in Italy to recover from COVID-19. Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen! On Thursday, he was released from confinement. His survival is remarkable, especially since men are already at higher risk than women, with the high rates of fatality for older people infected with the coronavirus. According to Italy's National Institute of Health, almost 86% of deaths in Italy were patients who are over 70 years old. No kidding. Again, people that are over 70 are probably going to die. Me, this is the uh, Italian Institute for Health, and uh, we can't figure out why all these old people are dying. Huh? I'm going to make you on a virus. You can't refuse. So what is, is that the initial of his last name, or is that his last name? I don't know. Sort of like Master P the rapper. Is Mr. that like uh is that like reservoir dogs where like they just have names? <laughs> Mr. Brown. You're Mr. White. Very mysterious. You're Mr. P. Next next story out of New York, New York from CNN.com. Around one thousand 
or 18% of Wendy's 5,500 U.S. restaurants are not serving any hamburgers or other meat-based items. This is a problem. Wendy's is more exposed to the shortage sparked by the coronavirus pandemic because of its reliance on fresh beef compared with its competitors, the note said. If you go to Wendy's and you ask them for a uh, triple cheeseburger and you're they're at one of those thousand stores that don't have meat, you know what they say, Jim? What do they say, Brad? Can't do it. <laughs> the company said its delivery schedule remains unchanged, but supply has been tight because of beef suppliers across North America facing production challenges during the pandemic. Hey, Brad. Yeah, what's up? Can I have a, cha- can I have a hamburger, please? Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Many meat suppliers have temporarily closed their facility. You know what, Jim? What? <laughs> I'm really hankering for some Wendy's, but they don't have any meat, so I will eat your ass. Do you have can you give me some chili con carne? What do you care? Uh Many meat suppliers have temporarily closed their factories because workers are falling ill from COVID nineteen. Ill. Ill. Ew. Ill, you're ill. Meanwhile, the New York Post reports, also out of New York, New York, President Trump on Wednesday assured Americans he was on the case. We've got it all under control. Um, There's no meat at Wendy's. This is a problem. I like how Donald Trump, this is a big priority for Donald Trump. He's like, you know what? (laughs) There's 20% of the Wendy's in the country don't have meat. And he's like, all right, everybody clear the room. We got to figure this (laughs) This out. This is a problem. Hold on now. The great in American institution. I like how they're Wendy's terrific. is a great Wendy's they're is a very terrific. big company. It's very large. They're terrific. Uh, they've got great meat, square meat. It's it's a it's a it's, if you ever see the square, it's a square. It, the, all the people love the square. <laughs> I like how I never realized until listening to you guys impersonate Donald Trump right now that he completely reminds me of what was the mayor of Springfield from The Simpsons. Yes, <laughs> I cannot recall his name. Well, there's that, or or really, what it is, it's like doing it's like doing the Cartman voice without the affectation, and then you get sort of a Donald Trump impression out of it, which is not not that it would be good, but it's like you're on the way to it, you know. <laughs> Nonetheless, President Trump was on the case. He may not have time or energy to attend attend or participate in his white house briefings but the donald just may have fatter burgers to fry trump confidently stated i'm going to call nelson pelts this new york billionaire investor i told you about the pelts Pelts, you guys were dead on (laughs) the new york billionaire investor and chairman of wendy's adding that he's confident this problem will go away however industry experts expect prices to keep rising in the coming weeks as meat processing plants across the u.s are forced to close or cut production due to the pandemic what are they doing to our hamburgers that's so good i don't even have any more it's just so good I i all the things of all the negative press that donald trump gets one way or another at least we know that he is going to straighten out 18% of the Wendy's in the country. <laughs> well, I think we we have to realize the biggest casualty of all is the hamburgers. Well, not only that, but uh, now you've got like this problem where you're, you're going to increase the scarcity of our beloved chicken nuggets when people are no longer able to. With 20% of the Wendy's in the country are not able to serve beef, that means that you're going to increase your consumption of chicken by 20%. 
right? So that means there's twenty there's literally twenty percent less nuggets for you and I to consume, Jim. Fewer nuggets, Brad. Oh, is that the is that the correct word? You know what? I don't like Wendy's nuggets. Okay. I'm on board with that. However, depending on the time of year or the location you're in, every once in a while they test market spicy nuggets. Yeah. And those are worth it. So I've never had those until like a couple months ago. They came out. I think it was like right before Christmas. So <laughs> we I, are talking I picked, about nuggets again. <laughs> <laughs> I picked some up and I'm like, this is what everybody's going crazy for, for spicy nuggets at Wendy's. They, were, you they just like tasted them? like microwave nuggets to me. They Okay. I would eat them. About, like, I don't dislike yeah. them, but. Well, they're certainly better than the regular nuggets at Wendy's for sure. Okay. Tasted very frozen. Well, yeah, nuggets are frozen. Well, no, but like in every restaurant. I know, but the McNugget doesn't have a frozen taste. No, yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah, like the came directly from the freezer taste. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm with you. Next. Glad we could have this talk. Next. Next story out of the militarytimes.com and the Associated Press. I have a button just to tell Gabe to move on. I like it. I like it a lot. Out of Washington, (laughs) D.C. Defense Secretary Mark Esper was quick to deny U.S. involvement in the bizarre attempt at overthrowing Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro that failed on Monday. Maduro. Esper. The raid resulted in the arrest of two U.S. citizens and roughly a dozen Venezuelans by local authorities. (laughs) The Americans were later identified as two former Army Green Berets by Silver Corps, USA, was purportedly behind the incursion. What do you care? Dude, does Green Beret just sound like so gay to you? Ever? Yeah, I never I, liked the, bring, the Green Beret. I know I they could we, like break me in half in uh, half a second, <laughs> but just a Green Beret. Oh, look at you. You're so tough with your cute little hat. <laughs> um, yeah, the, ar- the, army, the army, the regular army uniform is way more badass than the Green Beret uniform. Um, but uh, so... I love this. There's two ex-military officers from the United States in a coup, coup. that is organized by a third party coup, coup. that is owned by also an ex-military Green Beret. <laughs> like, it's almost like, like Ted DiBiase and, uh, and Brett Favre. Right. Right, but we had no. But I just want to let all of you know we had nothing to do with it. Just so <laughs> you, just I want to make it very clear: the United States had nothing to do with this. This thing happened all the time in like the seventies and eighties. Brett Favre was a Green Beret, wasn't he? Sorry, Gabe, I didn't. Mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just, I just love, I just love when we come out. It's funny because like if you, if you're working for Osama bin Laden, you're like the first one to raise your hand, and be like, oh, that was us, that was us. But right. if you work for the United States, you're like it absolutely was not us. And if you think about it, it's really like doing the same thing because it's just just saying the negative of the other one. It's like, uh, oh, that uh, that coup that we had gone has failed. Oh, well, that wasn't us. We, I don't know what you guys. Well, are why talking would you about. take credit for the failures? The wins, yeah. Failures weren't us. Wasn't Brett Favre a Green Beret? So anyway, of the <laughs> of the Army Green Berets, <laughs> private contractor and CEO of Silver Corp USA said Jordan Gordu used his company's Twitter account to announce the raid on Sunday, tagging President Donald Trump's own Twitter account in the process. So if you're paying attention, Jim, the raid failed on Monday. Are you with me? So far. 
And the guy who organized the raid tweeted about it on freaking Sunday. At Donald Trump, we are totally going to go ahead and take out the governor of Venezuela. Send tweets. There it is. I, you should be able to see it right there. What's the tweet below it about Overwatch? Uh, it's like from it's from a year before May fifteenth of two thousand nineteen. So for an entire year, this Twitter account, Silvercorp USA, which is owned by that Goudreau guy, uh, didn't tweet anything. The night before the effing raid, he announced it on Twitter to Donald Trump. <laughs> the president is he trying to implicate Donald Trump on something? Or I don't get it. Jim, the raid didn't fail until the following day. He announced I, the raid. Yeah. But why? The is hell it customary is that? to tweet out your plans of incursion <laughs> these days? Is that customary? Is that best practice? It's a gentlemanly way to do it. We've come for an incursion for you. Ow! I've never heard of anything like that. At Jim, I'm going to incursion your house tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> the two- the two U.S. citizens now in Venezuelan custody were identified as Luke Denman and Aaron Barry. Trump. Now, my theory about this is that that is absolutely. Okay, hear me out, Jim. This is all so bad that it has to be going according to plan. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Why on earth would you give the enemy a heads up? Okay that you're sending an incursion to them, that's crazy. Um, they Then then uh, the president of Venezuela, who we don't like, uh, they're, they're, our, our relationship with Venezuela is terrible, right? We don't like him. Um, it just so happens that they brought their expired military IDs with them when he interrogates them on television. So here's my theory. Those two guys that captured are not Luke Denon and not Aaron Barry, and those are completely bogus IDs. Right, absolutely. So we wanted them to get captured, and we're going to do like a Delta Force thing or like a, a, a Chuck Norris thing where we take over the country from one of the jails inside out. This is all going perfectly. That's my theory. Trump also denied any connection to the incident and told reporters before departing to the White House on Tuesday that he had only just learned of Denman and Barry's detention by Venezuela, by Venezuelan authorities. He was busy attending to the, he was busy attending to the pressing Wendy's meat crisis. (laughs) That's why I voted for him. Oh man. He's got his priorities straight. Next. Gore Drew provided an eight-page, eight 213-million general service agreement, he said, and his neighbors were signed on October 2019 with Silver Core USA, has yet to been paid. Unfortunately... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Unfortunately for Denman and Barry, there's no U.S. embassy operating in Venezuela's capital of Caracas. All consulate services. Yeah, so Caracas. I... I- I forgot, th- I forgot this detail, Gabe, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just trying to move this along mm-hmm. as I talk this out with Jim. So we set, we just, okay, so get this. We just so happen to have a Green Beret who runs a, uh, an international security company, basically a pack of mercenaries, right? Who also has access to Green Berets who go there. They happen to have ex, uh, uh expired military IDs on them, right? Right. And he also happens to have a $217 million contract 
with the insurgent in Venezuela that he just so <laughs> happens to have readily available to give to the press when they ask for it. This doesn't, I'm None telling you, sense. this is, yeah, there's something. And really what I'm really trying to figure out is how does it have anything to do with UFOs? <laughs> it does. If you dig deep <laughs> enough, it does. Sorry, but yeah. And then the other thing I forgot to mention is they couldn't even, okay. So you remember how I said that the plan is to get inside the jail system and then start the coup from inside out. Mm -hmm. We just so happened to start this situation. Like the, I believe the contract was signed in March or something of 2019 or October or whatever, somewhere in 2019. And then shortly after the contract signed or set up is when the United States pulls out their embassy. So there's no embassy. So there's no way that anybody who goes into Venezuela can be taken out of Venezuela. So these two guys or this group of people, but specifically the two Americans, cannot be extradited through the embassy. Like they can't find safe harbor or protection in the embassy. So the only reason they would be there is if yeah. we wanted them to get caught. Right, right. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know if this is the worst plan ever or the best. I think they both had They could be like Donald Snowden types. Ooh, yeah. Or they had coronavirus. <laughs> oh, they're spreading the corona. Or they're getting treated there. The next one, and I believe, Brad, I believe you had the video for it. A five-year-old child was pulled over for not following the proper rules of the road. Brad, I believe you have the video. He was pulled over. I like how it's. he was pulled over for not following the proper rules of the road. Adrian isn't saying much tonight. They're pulled over. <laughs> but then again, it's tough to even find words to begin to describe what he's been through today. That's Adrian. That's the dash cam of a five-year-old driving an SUV. Patrol trooper Rick Morgan gets him to pull over on I-15. It was pretty clear when the window came down. At just five years old. Adrian had taken the keys to his family's Dodge journey and gone on his own journey. Up Lincoln Avenue through downtown Ogden and then to the 25th Street entrance to the highway. Was not expecting to find what I found. Trooper Morgan and other Where did you get this car? Adrian's house two miles away. Oh, I lost it. And back at home, his sister Sydney Where are you going? could For what? not believe it. I called people. Pablo, home, my baby. She says she was watching him and had taken a nap when she woke up. And I seen that the truck was gone, that he was gone, and the keys were gone. And there too. With just three bucks in hand, what Adrian lacked in money, he made up for in ambition. California. Adrian says he was going to drive to California to buy a Lamborghini. His family says he's always loved cars, but they don't even know how he figured out how to drive an actual car. How does a little five-year-old, 11 years younger than me, do it and I can't? Home safe. And well, because you're a woman, that's why. Oh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> Got him. It will be You'll a be few in more years before little Adrian will be back on the road. So the kid had $3 and he's like, all right, my plan is to get in, to steal the family car and drive to California and buy a Lamborghini. I, th I, th I thought that was pretty awesome. What the video um, left out is the reason he actually got into the car is because he was angry that they would not buy him a Lamborghini. So he was driving to Los Angeles <laughs> to buy said Lamborghini with $3 in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was a spite carjacking. Oh, I never heard that. So they were like, no, we can't buy you a Lamborghini. He's like, well, screw it. He waits till she falls asleep, gets in the car. He's like, all right, I got $3 and we're going to make this happen. And these some bitches aren't going to get me a Lamborghini. I'll show them. Screw something. How far did he get? Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah, almost. <laughs> he got almost, he got onto the highway before he got pulled over. That's crazy. Yeah. So I wonder what would have happened if he had gotten to, somehow gotten to a Lamborghini dealership. Like what they would have done for well, him. You know what I was thinking? Uh, there's two things that I'm thinking. Um, number one, you can, I'll, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a choice here because we're running out of time. Either one, what's the worst thing that's happened when you've taken a nap that your kids have done? Or two, uh, what's the greatest accomplishment you've ever had as a five-year-old? <laughs> Meaning, what's your greatest accomplishment as a five-year-old, Jim? <laughs> uh, my greatest accomplishment, I have no idea I can even tell you. I think I think by the time I was five, I had learned how to operate the VCR. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> uh, this kid, do, and did you see him get in the car? He knows how to drive that freaking car, at least to some extent. Yeah, I, I, it makes me wonder if he if they let him drive it. Dude, there's no way somebody let him drive it. Like, where do they live? I wasn't quite sure where they live. Like, what around them? Are they, they live in the sort of, of like in the? They live out in the sort of out in the boondocks of yeah, out in the boondocks of like the desert area of Utah. So yeah, there's plenty of places to mess around, right? And let let your kid drive. Well, that's a big kid too. He fits in that car pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you know he's asked dude. his parents, you know, and they they're like yeah. <laughs> Brad, that's your news and nonsense for today. (laughs) Thanks, Gabe. We'll see you scumbags later. Jim, say goodbye. Goodbye, scumbags.